Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and right now you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network. I just want to first off start this episode by saying I was wrong. I apologize. I was wrong about the Labor Cup. Team World didn't stand a chance from the beginning. I thought maybe this year the big three wasn't in it. I thought maybe this year, you know, Djokovic, who had an incredible year, wasn't playing in the Labor Cup. Team World might be able to slip in and get a dub. They lost by 13 points, which in the Labor Cup, it's first to 14. And they lost by 13 points. So the Labor Cup was not as entertaining and was not as great as I think a lot of people would have wished, and especially being in America, especially having full fans back and not having it after a while, this was supposed to be the rebirth of tennis kind of in the Northeast up there, and really tennis and bringing it back to the United States. Now, the United States and the U.S. Open Series had brought tennis back so well over the last month and a half-ish, and this was time for it to be in Boston and for it to grow the game more. But I think it just shows the separation between players from the world and the separation between players from Europe. And Europe really didn't even have any of the big three playing in it. And they still were that good. They had guys like Casper Ruud play in it who played really well. But then you look at guys like Matteo Berrettini, who was a captain's pick, who still was really, really good and is really, really good. Made the Wimbledon final, made a run at the U.S. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the bottom line is the talent that Europe has in the sport of tennis, because tennis is so big over there, will be better than every other country. I know Europe is a continent, but will be better than any other country for the foreseeable future. The problem is, is look at who's ranked in the top 10 when you look at Team World. Nobody. Nobody's ranked in the top 10. The highest ranked person on Team World is number 11, Felix Ogier-Aliassime. And then two later, it's Chapo at 13, and then Schwartzman at 15, and then Opelka at 19, and Isner at 21. This is who's ranked in the top 10 for Team Europe. Medvedev's number two, Sitsipas is number three, Sverev's number four, Rublev's number five, Berrettini's number seven, and Kasper Ruud is number 10. That's Team Europe. That's unbelievable. That's what we were going up against as Team World. And I put myself in Team World, obviously, because I'm the United States. But that's what Team World was going up against in this Labor Cup. So no no wonder they didn't do very well. I mean, it, it, it only makes sense that they lost 14-1. to 1. Now let's look at some of these matchups. I know it's up to, like, it's up to John McEnroe, who he wants to put in these matchups. And really, the first two matchups were the best of the tournament. Maybe even the first three. First matchup, Casper Ruud versus Riley Opelka. A lot of people said... This was some of the best tennis they've seen Casper Ruud play, especially on a hard court. He beats Opelka 6-3 and then 7-4 in a tiebreak in the second set. And Opelka's been playing well this year, 
just couldn't get back or couldn't get past Casper Ruud. And you look at this match, you think, okay, well, you know, it's still early. That's right. Let's go to the next match. Felix Ogiele-Asim and Matteo Berrettini. FAA also playing really good tennis. Made the semis in New York. They end up going, it was like a three-hour match for two two out of three sets. They end up going into a, a match tiebreak, and Berrettini wins at 10-8 after uh, FAA hits one bad mistake when it's 8-8, and then Berrettini hits a passing shot that FAA can't get to on match point. And it was an incredible match, but now these are two winnable matches for the U.S. or for the Team World, and they didn't win them. So now we go to the third match, and it's Andre Rublev versus Schwartzman. This is another match that America or that the world can. I keep saying America that the world can win, and they don't. He loses 11-9 in a match tiebreak. So any of those matches, really, the the last two, Mateo versus FAA and Rublev versus Schwartzman, could go either way, and they end up going Team Europe's way. Now, if Team World wanted any chance in this, they needed to win those close matches. But then they come back and they win the third match or the fourth match of the day: Sverev and Berrettini versus Isner and Shapo. And Isner and Shapo win in a tiebreaker. So that's the first and only point that Team World won at the Labor Cup. I mean, honestly, just disappointing. You look at it though, they just don't have the star power, they don't have the talent, and they don't they they just don't have the level of ta- tennis right now to beat anybody on that Team Europe team on a regular basis. You look at how those Team Europe players did this year. Matteo Berrettini makes the finals in Wimbledon. Sverev wins the gold medal and goes five sets with Djokovic at the U.S. Open. You look at Tsitsipas makes the final of the French Open. Kasper Ruud's had a really good year. Medvedev won the U.S. Open. Look at those accolades that these guys on Team Europe have. Guys on Team World, none of that. Like, literally none of that. Riley Opelka made a semi-impressive run. I mean, impressive for him, but not impressive on according to Team Europe's run at the U.S. Open. And that's like it, right? Jack Sock played okay against Sverev at the U.S. Open, but that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's just, I don't know how else to say it other than disappointing. And I think everybody there was disappointed. And I think the interviews match that, right? And especially on a weekend where you're going up against the Ryder Cup on television, right? The Ryder Cup was great as always. And then you come, and it was not as close, but U.S. won. And then you go over to the Labor Cup, and nothing happened. I I mean, honestly, the most exciting thing that happened at the Labor Cup this year was Roger Federer showed up. And I I hate to say that because I'm a big fan of the Labor Cup. But that was pretty much the most exciting thing that happened at the Labor Cup this year. I love the event. I'm going to continue to watch the event, and I'm going to continue to support the event moving forward. I think it's a fantastic event. I just think Team World and tennis players in the Team World area need to just be better, really. I mean, it's time to be competitive with Europe. It really is. We've been waiting to be competitive with Europe. I don't care that they have the most fun. I think I think Americans, Canadians, everybody in Team World is like, yo, we've lost this thing four times in a row. Can we win one? Or can we even be really close again? I like, Can we do something like this again? And I think that's what they're really looking for. And it'd be nice to actually get a win or be close soon in the next couple of years. That'd be awesome. Now, sticking with the Labor Cup, but also getting into a different topic, I want to talk about what happened after the Sphere of Berrettini and Chapo and Isner match, where pretty much Sverev told Team World, that's the only match you're going to win. You're not going to win another point. You're not going to get another point 
at this Labor Cup. Hindsight, he was right. They didn't get another point at the Labor Cup. But it started causing a stir a little bit on Team World. Now, Team World is pretty upset about it. Chapeau in his post-match interview was like, that says he's the only point we're going to win. That's extra motivation for us moving forward, even though Team World didn't win another point the rest of the tournament. Anyway, so this is kind of the dialogue that happened after they heard they said that. McEnroe says, F this guy. And Isner says, he said that, F him. And then he said, that's the last point we're going to win. And Opelka said, he also said he's innocent. And McEnroe kind of giggled a little bit and said, yeah, good point. So now this brings us back into the whole conversation of Sferov's allegations against him, against his or with his ex-girlfriend of abuse and all that stuff, right? His alleged allegations against him um, about potential abuse and stuff like that, right? So that brings up that whole conversation again. And Ben Rothenberg, the freelance writer for the uh, New York Times on Twitter, said, quote, this is his word for word. From the conversations I've had, the players' public silence isn't because they don't know or don't care, but because no one is asking them on record. They know about it, and they have strong opinions about it, but they're very unlikely to speak out unprompted. So this brings up a whole nother question about the media asking these questions to Sferov and other players, mostly other players, because Sferov says he isn't going to really talk about it anymore, about these allegations, what the ATP should do about it, what the Grand Slam should do about it, governing bodies, what they should be doing about it, should they have a you know sexual abuse and domestic violence and all that stuff, should they, should they have that kind of committee on the ATP, should the Grand Slams be holding someone accountable even if there's something about it? You know, like there's there, there's a whole bag here. And I think it all goes back to, in my head, it always goes back to when I keep hearing that the ATP or like the Grand Slams have yet to do something about this or even comment on this or even say anything about this or even have rules about this. I don't, I don't think the ATP doesn't have any rules about this. I don't know about the Grand Slams, but you know, it has to do with legal and what gov- certain governing bodies are doing about it as well. But what it all comes back to for me, and I think this is the frustrating part for me, is Alexander Sferov, and you can read about all this online. I'm not going to really get into what actually these allegations are, but Alexander Sferov has some allegations against him from an ex-girlfriend, from what I believe. And no one has really said anything about it from a governing body of the tennis world. It seems has almost gone untouched. ESPN barely talked about it when the U.S. Open was going on. Some other places kind of talked about it a little bit. Amazon, Eurosport, stuff like that. And it's virtually going like untalked about. Really, he's getting new sponsorship deals, all this stuff, right? Here's my frustration with it. Naomi Osaka doesn't want to do a press conference at the French Open because she is having mental health issues, right? She's having a little bit of, uh, like, she's having some mental illness problems, and which is completely understandable. Simone Biles just actually came out with what happened at the Tokyo Olympics. Like, we get it, athletes. Like, this stuff can happen, and it's, it's, it's terrible, but it happens, right? So she just doesn't want to do press. The four Grand Slams come out with a joint statement and pretty much threaten to default her if she doesn't do a press conference. A press conference. In a world where you can get comments after matches easily. Maybe they can work around it. Maybe if someone's having, you know, mentally a really bad day, they come up with something new where they don't have to, they don't have to meet with the press, but maybe they just answer a couple of questions from one person that is 
an impartial third party. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting off, I'm getting off on a tangent here. But here, here's the problem. They come out with a joint statement and threaten to default her because she doesn't want to talk at a press conference. Meanwhile, these allegations are happening and no one said anything. I think that's the problem with this whole situation. And I think that's what's frustrating a lot of tennis fans. And Rothenberg's got to it a couple points saying like, this is on alert now. Like people are seeing this and people are realizing that these allegations are still around and these allegations have got have gotten no real attention or nothing's really happened with these allegations. Meanwhile, he goes and wins the gold medal. He's, you know, plays really well everywhere else. He wins the Labor Cup with his team. He makes it to the semis, plays Djokovic to a five set at the U.S. Open. And there's just this building, building, and building of anxiousness of people just kind of waiting for something to happen or just make a comment about it, right? Oh, we're looking into it or something of along those lines. And I think that's what's very frustrating about this entire thing in the world of tennis. Something happens in the NFL, bam, they're at it. Something happens in any other sport, they seem to be right at it. Now, I think another problem is, is when you get governments involved and tennis is such a global sport, different governments have different policies. I get it. There's, there's a lot to unpack here and it's kind of opening the eyes, I think, of tennis fans and tennis players and probably the ATP on how do we, how do we you know, deal with things like this moving forward. But this all stems from that conversation at the Labor Cup where Opelka says he also says he's innocent. And Rothenberg goes, players are willing to talk about this. I'm curious to see moving forward in San Diego this week. I'm curious to see moving forward in, you know, other the Nito ATP finals later this year, what they say when it comes to the media and asking about this. Very curious because I think they are going to start asking more questions, members of the media, and I think players are going to have to start answering them, and they will. And I think it, it might cause a divide in the sport of tennis, but I think it's something that definitely needs to be talked about, and I think they will. Now, I don't think I got too controversial there. I just was kind of telling you my take and some of the frustrating parts as a fan and a big follower of the sport that nothing has happened. I'm not saying he did it. I think these are all alleged, and I think we all know that. I'm just saying it seemed like the press conference thing was a much bigger deal in Naomi Osaka's case than this is. And I don't really think in my eyes, a missing press conferences is more important than alleged allegations of abuse. That's all I'm saying. Let's move on. Let's move on to something better. Let's move on to something that we love to talk about. And that is more tennis. We're going to get over to what's going on in San Diego, the San Diego tournament ATP 250s really get a reboot this year. It's really nice. It's 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 a good tournament. There's a lot of players in it. Now let's talk about some of the players in it and some of the players to watch. Rublev is in it. You look at guys like uh, Schwartzman's in it, Shapo's in it. Taylor Fritz won in the first round, so he plays Shapo next. That'll be really good. Hurkacz, Karatsev, Ojeeliasim, Dimitrov's into the second round. Uh, Senego, Bashlashvili, Korda beat Tommy Paul. And Annie Murray is playing Casper Ruud in the second round. A lot of great names in San Diego. And what a tournament to be at and what a tournament to watch. Who I'm really looking forward to do a really good thing. I got to imagine some of these guys on Team World either are going to show up and lose right away. Or they're going to want a little vengeance after getting you know their butts kicked in Boston at the Labor Cup. So I'm really looking for you know maybe the Canadians. When you look at FAA or uh, Denis Shapovalov to play really well. 
Taylor Fritz, maybe. Uh, there's a lot of good names in this. Literally, the whole second round is like mainstream names. Rude, Murray, Korda, Sanago, Ojeele Asim, Dimitrov, Karatsev, Nori, Cam Nori, that is, Taylor Fritz, Shapo, Schwartzman, Lloyd Harris, Nakashima, and Rublev. That's awesome. It's 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 gonna it's got to be one of the best ATP 250s there is, um, just for the fact of who's playing in the tournament this year and everyone kind of wants to end the year strong. Something to watch on is that you can follow along on Twitter. I'll be so, throwing stuff out there all week about this tournament. I love this tournament. Um, I think it's a really good for the sport of tennis for this tournament to be so solid, especially right after the U.S. Open and right after the Labor Cup. I had a couple other things I'm gonna get to, but I'm really not gonna get into all of this because. I just kind of ran out of time, and I'll talk about it more next week. Um, that not Nothing urgent, but listen next week. You'll probably hear more about it. Thanks for listening today. San Diego's going on right now, Labor Cup. Overall, a little disappointing, but there's always next year, as Vikings say, or Vikings fans usually say a lot. Thanks for listening today. You can reach out to me at Jacob Sarsasimal. You can reach out to Believe at Believe Podcast. And for now, I will see you next week. Take care of yourself. Enjoy some tennis in San Diego. And let's go team world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 